A couple of weeks ago, we began a series, and it's from the book of Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is found in the Old Testament. It means it's part of the books that were written before the life of Jesus. It's a fairly small book, and it's one that is easy to kind of pass by. But it is loaded with this concept that you'll find sprinkled throughout the Bible that God loves to take the ruins of our life and heal us. He loves to take us from point A to point B. He loves to see this thing called restoration because human life is hard, right? It's hard. There are all types of things that we do. Some of it is um, it's the result of our own decisions. Some of it's things that happen to us. There's sickness, there's pain, all of that's there. And one of the, one of the hopes of God is that we would move to a place of health. And it's just it's not okay to stay in that same spot your whole life. God's restoring and redeeming the planet. So here's a little bit about the book of Nehemiah, just a quick update. Here's what's happened. 140 years before, 140 years before what we're going to read, a nation had marched into Israel. And it was something that God had warned. He sent all these prophets and he said, turn back to me. The, the Jewish people, their hearts were always like, well, what about this God? What about if we live life that way? What if we just kind of made our own path? And God said, just turn back to me because if not, there's these natural consequences. So a foreign army marches into Israel and without much resistance at all, they take over the capital of Jerusalem and they destroy the city. They knock down all of the walls and they also destroy the temple. And in the ancient world, if you were a city without walls, it meant that you were absolutely vulnerable to anyone who wanted to invade, who wanted to take advantage of you. And so now they're a part of, as a destroyed city, they're a part of this massive empire. And there's been a couple of changes actually in world powers, but 140 years later, there's a man named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, we don't know how he arrived at this position, but he is serving King Artaxerxes. Okay, Artaxerxes, he is the most powerful man in the entire world. He oversees this massive empire, and Nehemiah has been employed to be his cupbearer. Nehemiah, this Jewish man, somehow finds himself in this position, and this is what a cupbearer is, because in the ancient world, kings and queens were often poisoned. That was how you got rid of some sort of opposition. So you had a cupbearer. It was somebody who you trusted, but they were expendable. <laughs> and so they tasted all the food before you tasted the food. They drank your wine, you watched them for a few minutes. They ate your food, you watched them for a few minutes. If they survived, then the king would eat and drink the same food. So he's someone who's before the king all the time, but he's a Jew. And here's what had happened, is that his people, somewhere between 50 and 100,000, had been taken as exiles out of Israel, and they were spread throughout this new kingdom. And Nehemiah, although he's never been there, he's never been to Jerusalem, he knows that's his heritage, that's the home of his ancestors. He asks a friend who's traveled back to Israel 800 miles away, he says this, he says, what's happening in our home city? And here's the report. The walls are still knocked down. The gates are destroyed. The people are vulnerable. Nothing has changed. It's still terrible. In Nehemiah's response, he sat down and wept. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about this, is that 
we can become so calloused. We can experience compassion fatigue. There's so many problems in our lives, in our communities, and in the world that we lose that capacity to identify with the pain of others. But Nehemiah shows us there's this, he sat down and wept. This didn't impact him. He lived in relative security and safety. He lived in the king's palace. This was 140 years ago. He doesn't even know anyone who's still living in this demolished city, but it moves his heart. And then after he sat down and wept, he knelt down and prayed. He said, God, what are you going to do? And then the third step for him is he stood up and began to act. So in chapter two, here's what we're going to read. We're going to read how Nehemiah is going to begin this process of changing the world. And in reality, I just want to draw this out. Imagine that this is the reality that Nehemiah faces. And we're just going to call it the here. And here means this. It means although Nehemiah is safe and secure, the people living back home 800 miles away, they are an experience that he'd call it's, it's untenable. Meaning it's just, this can't go on. This isn't all right. It's unhealthy. And he says, this is where we are, but you know what? We need to get someplace else. We need to be there. A different future, a different reality, one that's not unsafe, one that's not tenable. And this process happens in human lives. First of all, we'll talk about it at an individual or a, like a, a micro level. We're here. We're here. My here might be, I have so much relational conflict. I can't figure this out. I'm in a marriage where it is not fun. I have challenges at work. It might be finances. I live in this world where I, I can't live on what I make. I'm scared when I get a phone call because I think it's going to be another debt collector. I experience deep depression. It might be physical. It's just a here where you think this is not tolerable. I don't want to be here any longer. Or it could be at a, a, a large macro level. Okay, We might be looking at the realities of our world and we think here's where we're at, where people are treated unjustly where uh, human beings are taken advantage of, where there is war, where there is famine, where there is disease that runs rampant, where there is addictions that are everywhere. It might be the here where you think, I've got a personal secret and I don't want this any longer. I don't want this cycle of self-destruction to continue. But the problem is, it's so hard to figure out how to get there. I have a friend who's a therapist and uh, she says this, she says, the definition of insanity is trying the same things over and over and expecting different results, okay? So when we're here, we think, I don't want to be here. I, I don't want this tension in this marriage. I, I, don't, I don't want this sorrow in my heart. I don't want these secrets in my life. I don't want these crises in our world. But what we do is we just try the same things over and over, and it's never going to help us get there to this place where we realize, no, this is, this is where God would want me to be. This is where God would want the world to be. So how do we get from here to there? And the beauty of Nehemiah chapter two is Nehemiah is gonna walk us through a process of how we move from a place of unhealth, a place that's untenable, to a place where we think 
This is where God always wanted this world to be. This is where God wanted my relationships to be. This is where God wanted my finances to be. This is where God wanted my heart to be, the crisis in the world to be, in this healthy place. So let's read together. Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Nehemiah 2, 1 through 9. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. So he's in his vocation as he's doing this. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. That's an important phrase that we're going to come back to. Nehemiah isn't like, here's my big opportunity. He's going to approach the most powerful man in the world. And he's going to say, listen, I want to get from here to there. But he's scared. I don't know how to get from here to there. So I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. If you ever run into a king, just tell them that. They love it. Like, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and his gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, so what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. This is one of 12 prayers in the book of Nehemiah. He is in the midst of a conversation with King Artaxerxes. And he knows, the king just asked me, well, what do you want? And it's one of those prayers. I think sometimes these are the most poignant prayers. Oh God, please help me. <laughs> help me say the right thing right now. And I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? Now, Nehemiah is a professional in the world of culinary arts, okay? He's not an engineer. He has never rebuilt a city wall. How many of us would know, oh, you know, I think that's going to take approximately. How long? He says, uh, it pleased the king. Send me. So, so I set a time. Uh, three months? Seven months? I mean, seven years? He doesn't know. But he just sets a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates? So he's going to have to travel through 800 miles. And there are all these different layers of leadership that would stop him so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park or the royal forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. And because... The gracious hand of my God was on me. Beautiful phrase. The king granted my request. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. So here's the plan. Here's how we're going to get from here to there. What does this look like? All of us in the room, there are things where we think, this isn't okay. The world shouldn't be this way. My life shouldn't be this way. How do I get to here? Here's three points that Nehemiah teaches us. Number one, ask for help. 
If you want to get from here to there, ask for help. And Nehemiah is going to teach us that we need to ask for help from two different sources. The first one is this, ask for help from God. There's an interesting little caveat here in this text. You know, you know how much time has passed from when Nehemiah first received the report about what, what the state of Jerusalem was? Four months. Four months. We're told that four months later, he, he, he asked the king, he has this conversation. So it's seek God. If you want to get from here to there, the first thing you do is you ask for help from God. Here's what Nehemiah knew. He knew this is beyond him. He has no idea how to rebuild a nation. It's not like he's thinking, you know, I was really good with Lincoln Logs as a kid. I bet, I bet I could go back there. I could figure out how to put all those rocks back together. I could rebuild a wall. No, no, this is beyond him, completely beyond him. And so it begins this way. He just says, God, no one's done anything for 140 years. They've been here in this place where everybody's unsafe. This is untenable. God, I'm stepping forward, but I continue to seek you. God, would you give me wisdom to know what to do, what to say in the middle of his conversation with the king? God, grant me help. I need to know what to do. Now, prayer, I, I get it. For some of us, it's a, it's a habit that's just established in our lives. It's really healthy. And for a lot of us, prayer is a rather awkward experience. I just talked to somebody. They said, I, I went to like a group and we we're supposed to praise a group. And I like everybody's praying out loud and I've never prayed out loud. And I felt so weird. And so I just shook my head, which, you know, like pass, like pass, not me. Because we don't know. Like, are we saying the right words? I, I think these are the best prayers. Conversation with God from the heart. Authentic, real conversation with God from the heart. You do not have to speak in these and thous. It, the, the deepest, rawest prayers are, God, I need help. God, you're amazing. God, do something. It's just these cries from the heart. Now, a couple of thoughts about prayer to God. Is this, I think we need to understand that nothing is too big for God's power. Or too small for God's heart. Sometimes we, we fail to pray because these things, the hears, we're like, this is, this is too much. Like, the world's always been this way. There's always been injustice. Or maybe in my family, there's always been this brokenness. There's been these ongoing struggles. It's always happening. Children have always been mistreated in this world. Like, this is too big. You got government institutions that are trying to figure this out and they can't figure it out. You got nonprofits all over the world trying to figure out how to end hunger and disease on the planet. So sometimes we think, boy, that's just too big. Nothing is too big for God's power. So you bring the here to him. You say, God, this is massive. This is a building project I have no experience in, but there's something in my heart. I love this about Nehemiah. Nehemiah did not have a position, but he had a passion. He did not have a position, but what he did have is he had a passion. And what we often do is we think, 
I would be able to help get us from here to there if I just had the right position. If I just had, if I was an elected official, if I was the pastor of the church, if I was an influencer, influencer in culture, we're waiting around for some sort of position. But let me tell you this, oftentimes the people with the position don't have the passion and what God is looking for. And if you looked at the, the history of the church, God is looking for people who have a passion and they bring these things before God and they say, God, there's nothing too big for you. But on the other hand, there's nothing too small for God's heart. It's nothing that seems trivial to God. Sometimes our prayers are a little bit hindered because we say, well, God, this is, this is like about me and it's my, 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 the secrets in my life, the addictive cycles, and you've got 8 billion other people to worry about. I know that there is nothing too small for God's heart. And you know how I know that? Because I've had the privilege of raising eight kids. I mean, five kids. I don't know why I said eight. <laughs> I was weird. Been a long road. Um, one of the things that we used to, Jenny and I would kind of take turns at this when you're putting your kids to bed, when they were just little, you know, you're, you're thinking like kindergartners, going into their bedroom and, and I'd always ask them this question. I'd ask, I'd look them in the eyes and I'd say, hey, how's your heart? Sometimes the things they would bring up were just so trivial. Like, it's not good. What's wrong? Somebody made fun of my picture at school today. They made fun of your picture. Oh, no. This is like crisis for them. Somebody cut in front of me. They called me poop face. You know, like, oh, no. I guarantee you, I'm not thinking, well, child, there's a crisis in Africa right now. You'll be fine. No, 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 no. You, you, because they're your kid, you engage with them and you're like, hey, you are not a poop face. You, you are like, I love you. You know, your picture was awesome. Show that to me. Because nothing's too trivial. Oh, God, is your father, my father, nothing's too trivial. He cares, he cares about the here for you. He came to heal the here, the brokenness in our lives and the brokenness in our world. So nothing's too big for God's power and nothing's too small for his heart. One other thought about asking God for help would be this. If prayer isn't necessary to accomplish your vision, your vision's too small. It's too small. Sometimes I, I, I think we, we describe the here is, I just want to get to here. Uh, from, from here to there. Listen, if you're not desperate to seek God, if it's not something that's bigger than you, if it's not something that would take a miracle, your vision for where there is is way too small. Let your vision be so big that you think, God, without you, there's not a chance. I know that Nehemiah is thinking, I, I don't know how to rebuild a wall, but I, I, I'm going to pray because this is too big. So ask for help, first of all, from God. But then there's a second place that Nehemiah has to ask for help to get from here to there. It's asking help from others. Asking help from others. And sometimes this is incredibly challenging because unfortunately, religious groups oftentimes communicate unintentionally that you have to pretend that you're not here. You have to put on a happy face and you have to make everybody think that you're already there. And so we hide our secrets. Our relationships, maybe marriages, are in utter turmoil. They are terribly unhealthy. But when we're around people, we just smile and pretend like everything's okay. We don't let people know the darkness, 
the depression, the angst. It's deep inside of us. I am going to need help from other people to get from here to there. One of our core values at this church is we grow better together. You know why that's true? It's because getting from here to there, I ask, I ask God first and foremost for help. But I'm going to need to ask the people around me for help as well. I had a beautiful experience. Jenny and I were over at some friend's house. We've been a part of a small group. We're meeting tonight. And we kind of had this sense that something needed to change in our small group. And, and here's what um, Lindsay said. I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little relationally delayed sometimes. I, like I'm not the most empathetic person in the world. And Lindsay said this, you know, you know what I think we're missing in our small group? She said, I don't really know how people are doing. Okay, we've been meeting together for, I don't know, three, four years now. And we have great discussion. We've studied books of the Bible. We've studied big ideas and concepts. But she was absolutely right. We, we don't really know where the here is. What's broken in your life? So tonight we're going to try something brand new. We're going to take the first half hour of our small group and we're going to break into groups in two and three and we're going to talk about where the here is. Where do you need help? And this can be incredibly humbling. If we, if we were raised in an environment where we think we've got to show that we've got it all together just to say, you know what, I need help. I am broken. God, help me and I need other people to help me. And so what does Nehemiah do? He says, King, I'm going to need your help on this. I, that's a huge risk, an enormous risk. Because the most powerful man in the world may say, I don't even know what place you're talking about. What, is it? what do you care? You're here. That happened 140 years ago. That's people you don't even know. You've never been there. Who cares about the here? But God moves his heart. So I am going to need to ask for help. And that will be humbling. So the first step getting from here to there is asking for help. Here's the second thing. You have to define the vision clearly. Define the vision clearly. What is there? What does this look like? Here's what Nehemiah does. Chapter 2, verse 4. He lays out for the king this clear vision. He says, king, this is what I want to do. If it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. King, this is what I want. I'm going to give you a clear, compelling vision. I'm going to go home and I'm going to rebuild a wall. That, that's what God has laid on my heart. Now, it's interesting to note that the temple was destroyed too. And you might think that's maybe a, a more important thing, but... That's going to happen through somebody else. It's, it's the next book, uh, the book before this, Ezra. Ezra's going to go back and rebuild the temple. But here's what Nehemiah knows. My clear, compelling vision, the thing that breaks my heart, the thing where I think this is where we're at and we don't want to be there anymore. We need to get here is the walls need to be rebuilt. That is the basic of my vision. So what is it? What is it? Because lots of people are filled with angst. Lots of people are saying, hey, that's not healthy. The here shouldn't exist. But what is it that you're called to do? What's that next step? For most people, it is not a lack of caring. Most of us care about the here. We care about the crisis in the world. It's a pro the problem is that it's a lack of clarity. 
We don't know what it is that life should look like because everybody around us experiences the same pain. What does health look like? It's not a lack of caring. It's a lack of clarity. If you can't define it, you just can't do it. So, so what needs to happen? A burden needs an incubator. I, I need to figure out what this is, what's untenable, and what health would look like. So anybody ever uh, use an incubator to hatch chicks? A few of you? Last thing, a lot of no. Okay, a few of us. So I was raised in rural Colorado, and we had a lot of chickens. And one of the ways you make sure you get lots of chickens is you take the fertilized eggs, and if you take them from the hens, because they get stepped on, some hens aren't good mothers, you put them in an incubator, which is a controlled little environment. You plug it into the wall. It produces the right amount of humidity, the right amount of heat. You turn the eggs occasionally. And as a kid, I can't tell you how much fun, how much anticipation there was watching these eggs. And so you'd run downstairs in the morning, first thing, and I'd check the eggs. I'd come home after school and I'd check the eggs. And for weeks, they're just eggs. And you're wondering, is there anything inside of those eggs? And one day, one day, you'd come in, you look at the incubator, and one, one of the eggs is just, it's just vibrating a little bit. And your level of excitement is like, whoa, 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 something's happening. And then you check a few hours later. And there's a little hole. And this little chick is working its way out. They use their beak to cut the first hole in the shell. And then you come back hours later and they've removed larger portions of the shell. And then pretty soon it's happening in other of, of the eggs. And it takes a long, long time for a chick to work its way out of the egg. And here's one thing I learned. If you help that chick get out of the egg, it looks like such an epic struggle. It takes them hours and hours. If you help the chick get out of the egg, you'll kill the chick. They have to go through the struggle of emerging from that egg by themselves. A vision, a burden needs an incubator. And part of what happens in this scenario is this, is that in Nehemiah's months of saying, here is where we're at, God, what could we do? Is that God incubates the vision and it becomes clear. And he can say without a doubt, I'm called to go build the walls. That's the there, a city that's protected. So often in life, we bite off more than we can chew and we get confused and we think That's, that should change, this should change. Find the thing, the thing that God says, this is what I want. You take your part of the vision and you make it clear so you can communicate it over and over. And so it is this thing that you can lock into, that you want to create a different world for business where, where there's a new set of ethics, where you say, I want to create a world where I can be generous, where I'm not living under the burden of debt. Here's my new reality. Here's the clear vision. I want to create a relationship with the people that I love that is healthy and encouraging and not toxic. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to change something in the world that is just massive. Some huge, complex injustice. And you get a clear vision of this is how you're going to change it in Yellowstone County. Or maybe Petroleum County. It'd be easier. At least populated county in the state of Montana. I'm going, to, I'm going to change this here. This is what God's asking me to do. Most of the most significant change in the world today, you know how it's happened? It's an individual or a group of people come together and they establish a clear vision for a different future. 
This is not where God wants us. We want to be there. So steps from getting to here to there, we ask. We ask for help from God, first and foremost. We ask for help from other people, which is humbling. And then we create a clear, compelling vision. And here's the last step. We make plans thoughtfully. We make plans thoughtfully. This is deciding how things will be different. The steps that will be taken towards health. Many people walk through life with good intentions and determination. Good intentions and determination, but no clear plan. This is untenable. We shouldn't be here. We need to get here. I have a clear vision, but we don't know how to move from here to there. I'll be very frank with you. This is my biggest weakness in leadership. Clear vision, I can come by that. The steps to get there, we actually have somebody on staff. His name is also Nathan. He's, he's known as our executive pastor. And one of the main roles that he carries is helping to create strategic plans to get to where we think God wants us to be. Because here's what I do. I'm clear on where we're at and where things should change. And I'm really clear on where we should be. And so I have a meeting and I sit down and I'm like, this is where we're at. This is untenable. This isn't okay that families in our our society are experiencing this. We need to be here. And I just get everybody jacked up and then I leave the meeting and I expect it to happen. So Nathan Williams has a meeting after the meeting that I'm not invited to. No kidding. Because strategic steps, I don't know. I just like, let's go do it. And so they sit down after I leave the room and they're like, okay, step one, step two, step three, four. It's incremental steps to get to where we're supposed to be in our lives. So many of us, we're bothered, we have deep discontent, we've got a vision of what the world should be, but we don't know the steps. So here's what Nehemiah does. He practices forward thinking. When the king says, what do you want me to do? He overcomes his fear. You know one of the biggest things that keeps us from getting from here to there, from actually stepping out, is fear. What if I fail? What if the king says no? What if I go back and like, I can't figure out how to rebuild a wall? What if, what if I get there and say, hey guys, let's rebuild the wall. And they're like, why? He overcomes his fear. He steps out and he says, okay, king, I think this is what we're going to need. I'm going to need some letters from you because I'm going to have to travel 800 miles and not everybody's going to be excited about this. I'm going to need some raw materials. I'm going to need some protection. I'm going to go back and we're going to figure out how to do this. Now you make a plan right? If it was just about from here to there, and here's the vision, there's no plan. What do we walk around? We just walk around confused and eventually you get frustrated. You just get so frustrated because the vision isn't happening. I I, want to read this because I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Actually, I'm a lot uncomfortable right now with how critical our society is. Criticize people left and right. Here's the truth. If you are bothered by the here, okay, if you're bothered but don't have a plan, you become a critic. I'm bothered 
by the way this world operates. I'm bothered by the way the government makes decisions. I'm bothered by things happening in our society. I'm bothered that people aren't cared for. But if I don't have a plan, all I am is a critic. And I guarantee you that when Jesus left planet Earth, he didn't look at his followers and say, hey, now I want you to go in all the world and be a critic of everything that doesn't happen. You just, you just point out people's flaws. You just point out, oh, the failures of the government institutions that surround you. No, no, no. She said, I want you to go into all the world and I actually want you to change society. I want you to perpetuate and continue what I began to do on planet earth. That's this. I want you to heal sick people. I want you to tell hopeless people that there's hope. I want you to take people who are bound up in dark spiritual realities and help set them free. I want you to proclaim that the world is changing and that there is hope. If you're burdened and have a plan, you become a solution. And Jesus asked his church to be a solution. I know we don't always do that, but I don't want the church to ever be a group of critics. We're not here to point fingers at what people are doing wrong. We're here to say, no, 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 no. There are problems, and you know what? We're gonna help the world get from here to there. We're gonna do it in our own lives. We're gonna be genuine, authentic. We're gonna be honest, and then we're gonna say, it's not okay for our world to be here. We're gonna pray about it. We're gonna ask for help. We're going to come up with a clear vision of where God wants us to be. And then we're going to make a plan. Now, here's the problem with plans. You ever notice plans usually fall apart? Never works out exactly like you said. What do you do? Here's what you do. You do the next right thing. The next right thing. It's the next act of obedience. It's these incremental, God, I want to be from here to there. I, I want to be free from addiction. Oh, bad weekend. What am I going to do? I'm going to do the next right thing. I'm going to keep building. I'm going to keep moving towards that reality that you have for me, Jesus. I refuse to get discouraged. I refuse to be afraid. I am going to step out because getting from here to there takes two things. Two things. It takes sacrifice and responsibility. Sacrifice and responsibility. A critic just says this is wrong. It, 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 this should never be. It's sacrifice and responsibility to get from here to there. It's, it's me saying somebody should do something about this. It's been going on for 140 years. Got it. I guess it's me. I don't feel qualified. And I know this is going to cost me. And I know it's going to push me to the brink of all the things I am most afraid of. But I'll take on that responsibility. I'll sacrifice. I'll pay the price. It's burdening yourself with that responsibility and saying, I will be part of the solution. When Jesus came to planet earth, the here was untenable. It was human beings burdened under religious systems that they could never achieve. It was do more, try harder. It were ravaged by the realities of sin, the power of sin in our own lives, ravaged by all of the, just the ugliness that existed because of human rebellion against God. Jesus said this, I want them there. I want them in a new place. I want them in harmony with the Father. I want them to be free from religious performance. And so how are we going to do that? It's the steps. I'm going to come to this planet and for 33 years, 
I'm going to live the life that they could never live. I'm going to experience everything that it means to be a human being. I'm going to walk through the pain and the sickness and the loss and all of the temptations. And I'm going to continue to live this life out. And the final step of the plan is this. I am going to go to a cross and I'm going to die in their place. All of the sin, all of the guilt, all the shame of every human being who has ever lived or would ever live in the future would be loaded on me and I will take the responsibility and I will sacrifice so that humanity can get there. The place they were always meant to be. And Jesus looks at his church. He says, we're not just sitting around waiting for heaven. We're called move from here to there at a personal level and at, at, at a macro level, the, the big meta-narrative of the world is that God is doing something and we get to be a part of it. Moving from here to there. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we refuse to be critics. It doesn't solve anything. Instead, help us to identify the here. It's untenable. It's not tolerable. Sometimes we get so used to the dysfunction in our lives, dysfunction in culture that we think, well, this is how it always will be. I've tried and nothing's changed. God, we refuse to give up. We contend for health and holiness in our lives. We contend for healing in our culture. Lord, we come to you and we ask for help. We can't do this. Nothing's too big for your power. Nothing's too trivial for your heart. Lord, we're willing to ask other people for help. There's a vulnerability that is essential to get from here to there. Lord, I pray that in this room, you would begin to develop a clear and compelling vision. All we can see is what has been. We need to see what could be. What the power of God could do in our lives. And here's this beautiful thought that Nehemiah gives us. All this happened because the gracious hand of my God was upon me. This wasn't his brilliant leadership techniques. This is God, his hand over the whole thing, getting a nation from here to there. God, would your hand be on us as we move forward? We will sacrifice. We will take on the responsibility. We refuse passivity. I want to pray in one more way. Maybe you're here today and this would describe your current here. Is that right now you're not sure where you stand with God. You feel far from him. You're trying your hardest to be a good person. What Jesus came to do is to get you out of the here into the there. It doesn't happen through your own religious pursuits and efforts. It happens by saying this. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that he is resurrected. I believe that he can give me new life. I believe that he came to heal the chasm that existed between me and God. The first step for you getting from here to there is this, surrendering your life to Jesus. 
I'm not just asking if you believe Jesus existed. I'm saying, are you ready to surrender your life, to trust in Jesus? If that's you, would you boldly do this? Would you just raise your hand and wave at me? I want to make eye contact with you. Yes, all three of you ladies. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You're his daughter. Yes, ma'am. Your love. Yeah, right there. Yes, ma'am. Yes, there as well. Yes, sir. Yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. All four of you right there in the back of the room. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. There and there. I see your hands. Anybody on my left, your right. Okay, yes, yes. And here as well. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Your daughter. In the balcony, if that's you, would you wave at me? I want to see. Yeah. A very top. I love that. You're his. Yes. You're his. He loves you. You're forgiven. You have a new destiny right now. Yeah, right here as well. Beautiful. Here. Yeah, thanks. Sorry I missed you. Okay. Wow. Everybody, would you open your eyes? Would you? Book of Luke says this. All the angels in heaven celebrate when one person does that. So. For all of you who raised your hands, I just want you to know this. This is the beginning of a new journey, a new journey. And we want to help you any way we can. At these I Have Decided banners, they're all throughout the, the auditorium and out in the atrium. Get a Bible in your hands. It's free and just help you get to growing, okay? You move from here to there spiritually. You're his. Everybody else, would you be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus? Let's move from here to there. The gracious hand of our God is upon us. Let's not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. If you need prayer for anything, there's people up front you can trust.